Blog Talk Radio. Here he is, the biggest douche of the universe. In all the galaxies, there's no bigger douche than you. You've reached the top, the pinnacle of douchedom. Good going, douche. Your dreams have come true. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the George Brew Show here on the powerful, sometimes, Blog Talk Radio, for some reason. Hasn't liked us lately, especially when it comes down to uh, the direct connect feature that they have. And that's Optimum because Optimum hates me. A busy show here. Uh, coming to you live from New Jersey where it's snowing in New York and if we were having baseball, the Yankees and Red Sox would be in a snow delay. Probably not unless it's like really snowing hard. I don't think that's happening. Then again, I'm not watching the news because who else is sick of the news? That would be me. I'm completely sick of it. I don't care about it. I don't need to care about it anymore. What are you going to learn? That somebody else has the coronavirus or somebody else can't figure out What's going on with the coronavirus? Just let it be. Let it finish. We'll get through this together. Together. Not right, not left. Together. Big news came out today in the NFL world. ESPN, who had taken over Monday Night Football in the late 90s, had the team of John Madden and Al Michaels, you had the great team up until, what, 97 of Al Michaels and Dan Deardorff and Frank Gifford. And ESPN continually tries to F with it. There's their problem with it. ESPN has to have their hands in everything. Nothing can be perfect for them. They can't have it right. You went from Tariko, you went from Michaels and Madden, you had Tariko and Gruden, uh, you had Sean McDonough and Gruden, and Sean McDonough was great. It's just that Sean McDonough has no filter. He's a Boston guy. He's going to tell you like it is. Unfortunately, that don't fly at ESPN because they don't want that. So what did they do? They got Jason Witten. If you realized that Jason Witten didn't give a good interview, I don't understand why anybody would have thought that he would have been great for the actual television broadcasts. He didn't wasn't ready for it. That's a reason there's a reason why quarterbacks are generally taken for this. Quarterbacks talk to the media twice a week. Quarterbacks can see the whole field. They can see the whole game. Look across the league. Look across the Sunday games. How many of the groups of broadcasters our broadcaster, former quarterback, Trent Green's one. Troy, Tony, you had Phil Sims forever. And then you got Alan Chris, and Chris is a wide receiver. But Chris has been doing it for 30 years. Chris has been working in the media for 25 years now. He had to get to that point to be really good. He also breaks down film like nobody else. 
on the problem was is that they brought in Jason Wynn and then they brought in Booger McFarlane. Booger McFarlane's experiment was deemed was destined to fail very early. It was going to fail. Three-man booth really doesn't work on national games. ESPN feels like they have to do it because they didn't. They knew there was a problem. Joe Tessitore is one of the best broadcasters we have. Absolutely one of the best. He calls a great game. But unfortunately, in the world today, you can't fire Booger McFarlane without firing Tessitore. If it was still Tessitore and Witten, yeah, Witten's the only guy gets fired there. Unfortunately, when it comes down to it, you have to fire them both. What will come out of this, though, is most likely Steve Levy, who has been a very good soldier for ESPN for the length of time he's been there. It's over 20 years now. He's been a good soldier. He's done everything they wanted him to do. He's done hockey. He's done college football. He's done the odd NFL game here and there. He's the guy. Who's next to him? They're gonna. Do, they're saying they're promoting somebody from the inside. Uh, Riddick's an, uh, an option. Dan Orlovsky's an, an option. I think the options, and I think what they should do is, and the sad part is, is yes, Levy deserves the job. Don't get it twisted. Don't don't think I'm saying this to downplay Steve Levy getting this job. He deserves it. This guy is a great announcer. He calls a great game. They should have went to Adam Amin, Matt Hasselbeck, and Pat McAfee. There's no doubt in my mind that that should have been a group. Because when you watch those Thursday night games last year, those Thursday night college football games that are up against the NFL, they're impossible to get ratings for. They're not usually good games. McAfee and Hasselbeck crushed. Adam Amin calls a great game. And, you know, you've lost him to Fox Sports. You've lost Adam Amin. I can understand you. I can understand the Hasselback move for you to keep him on countdown. Countdown sucks. Nobody watches that anymore. The only people that watch that are the Stooges that think that ESPN still is worth the shit. But that's why they had, and they're probably a little chapped at the way McAfee bowed out of the XFL. But the guy is the hardest working man in sports. If you saw what he did with his summer, with his winter, with his fall and winter, I mean, the guy was on the road a ton doing his own radio show. And that's the thing that ESPN doesn't want. They don't want somebody who doesn't work for them full-time doing the, in their opinion, preeminent NFL shows. we got a busy show here tonight. Scotty will join us uh, about 7.30, he says. Uh, take a quick break. Coming up after the break, there's a special guest and a good friend of mine. Be right there. You're listening to The George Bruce Show on the Black <laughs>
information about Headblade, check us out at headblade.com. This is Alice Cooper for R.A.D.D. There's a lot of things we have no control of in this world, but that's not the case with drunk driving. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Think ahead and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives on and so should you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. All right. Joining us now, a uh, good friend of mine, good friend of the show here. Was this like your fifth time you've been on here after we like found you through LinkedIn or whatever the fuck I found you from again? Uh, is my good yeah, buddy. I think it was back in the days when I was on Facebook and all that. <laughs> I think it was on LinkedIn I found you. Um, yeah, maybe. What a fourteen year NHL career played for a team that we won't say he played for because he's not even happy that he played for him. Rangers, Oilers, Penguins. Anybody else I'm allowed to say? The Bruins. <laughs> oh, I forgot how the fuck can I forget the Bruins? My wife yeah, is just you know laughing George, at me. I, should, I should hang up the phone right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, Danny. I was getting ah, to the Bruins. Me, I was getting yeah. there. Especially since I'm looking at a picture of me and Luke from yeah, I just rather have you not mention the uh, the team uh, from your state. That's what I was trying to get after. I was like, oh, hey, can I mention the Devils or the Hurricanes? Yeah. Even though you did score a game winner there in the Ducks, you have like the greatest and and played for Team USA. Uh, my good buddy Dan Lacatour. Thank you. Um, <laughs> hey. What do you feel like ex-players doing podcasts and telling locker room stories? Uh, Former teammates of yours. Let's I, just. I, I, I don't think I'm old here, but I don't I'm think I'm saying old you're old. Jerk. I don't think there was any podcast when I was playing, so I don't know. I mean, just I guess uh, social media is obviously a challenge for these guys. Let's look at that guy. Uh, uh, my business partner was telling me about that, uh, that that kid from uh, Carolina. Oh no, Washington. Yeah. Um, I guess they what? just I guess they yanked his contract for his uh, social media uh, antics. So I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I'm just not. I don't. I just don't know how to answer. That. I mean, you obviously got to be careful what you say and do out there. Um, you know, especially these players now. Um, you know. Like, that's the thing. Like, you're in that I, – I, and I'm not saying this to make you sound old, Dan. But you're in the last generation of players that didn't have to worry about camera phones. Right? You, you no, didn't have to worry guys, about – Yeah. They have to – even getting off the team bus or the team plane. I mean, I mean everything – no matter what you do, it doesn't matter if you're, even if you're an athlete. Just – even yeah, you know, just you know, regular you know, whatever person driving down the street and you do something, chances are there's a camera on somebody's house or whatever. So you got to be smart. You know, like you I'm look not at sure that's what. 
So that's pretty much it. I mean, but then like, you know, you got former teammates that's promoting his own podcast thing and whatever, and he's telling locker room stories. And I'm like, I, I don't know how cool I would be with that if I'm a former teammate of his going, bro, you can't be doing that shit. Because you don't know what yeah. story he's going to tell. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess for like my generation and like before me, um, yeah. You know, I, I guess that's why, like, I do. I love doing the Bruins alumni. Besides, obviously, helping out uh, somebody within that community that we're we're playing in. Um, but just like being around the guys again in the locker room, and um, I mean, it's a pretty old school guys that obviously their numbers are in the rafters at the uh, the Garden, like Terry Riley and Rick Middleton and Ray Bork, and um, but it's just all the guys like they have a good time, and it's all. You know, it's all good and fun, you know. There's no, you know, there's no like Tyler Sagan's like, you know, staying behind, you know, when the team's on the road because he's hurt and he's he's uh, you know he's teeing off on some guy's wife, you know, like behind his back. I mean, you know, there wasn't. Wait, there wasn't wait, much wait, of that. wait, wait, wait. He really did that. Well, that's. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Good job, Barnaby. I mean, what? I'm sorry. Wait, that's the funny have thing. You, like, have, you talked about, have you talked to Barney lately? Um, I sent him a message on Facebook because he's not with the one that made him forget everybody. I tried. Well, I tried he, to get. He went. He went off the deep end. Uh, yeah, no shit. Here I here in New York. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I heard that uh, everything just fell apart for him. Yeah. Well, I like you. You've had. Concussion issues. He's had concussion issues. Yeah, um, he, he, his shit was, was a little bit messed. more public. <laughs> he was already messed up before the concussions, though. Yeah. I... <laughs> oh shit! So... There was a. Did you ever hear him call Lyle Odeline Cornelius from Planet of the Apes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my I my wife. I I fought Odeline uh, in Pittsburgh. Dude, he's a big boy. Yeah. He's uh he's a little tougher than I uh, expected, so I kinda took him a little lightly at first, but uh had to regain my ground after that. But, hey, uh, yeah, but, dude Like I, I, I you've told me the story. But like me tell me retelling you your story is just not right, especially when I could call you. The fight with Ty Domi. <laughs> I, I won't do it either. Yeah. Like, there's stuff that, like, you know, there's just stuff I won't do. But your fights with Ty Dome that you were telling me about just laying up, you got to tell that story. All right. Well, I think it's the stories you asked me about because I don't. The story you told me about. <laughs> well, if you asked me, I tell you, but I. That's true. It's a little broadcasting. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't, I mean. I fought the guy five times, and I almost didn't. Uh, I got my kids outside here. I'm just sitting out back, and they got this song going that actually is from '97. I won't say what it is because it's kind of embarrassing, but my daughter gets likes it. But let mind, me guess. Mind you, okay. it, huh? Is it Umba? What's that? Is it Umba? No, no, we're close. Oh. No, she got like a Backstreet on. Ah. Is that the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know. I'm on, 
I was just telling George. Uh, yeah, so when I was in Hamilton, he was in Toronto. And, like, I almost didn't want to go to the NHL because of that lunatic, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I was like, I, I hope Edmonton doesn't call me up because this guy, like, I just know if I get called up, this guy's going to want to fight me or something. <laughs> so, sure enough, a couple of years later, I'm in Pittsburgh, and he we're beating Toronto 3-1 to one in the second period, and we're at the face-off, and he tells me we're going to go. I'm like, I felt like saying, like, where are we going to go? <laughs> like, you you could have yeah, pulled okay. the whole, like, you could have pulled the Wayne's World thing. Are you right? Uh, Take me, Garth. I, where? It's cold down. I don't have a coat. <laughs> I just I just told him, okay, no problem. So uh, then he then he turns to me and looks me straight in the eye before the referee drops the puck and goes, you don't know who you're messing with. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> so, uh so, but they went, I, 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 I tell this to a lot of people that I had a lot of respect for the guy. Like, like obviously he was a, you know, big name, uh, and he deserved a lot of respect for the career he had. But I lost all credit for him because, or respect for him because, um, before the puck dropped, he dropped his glove, and out of the corner of my eye, luckily I saw it because I, I would have been like Kevin Stevens with a broken face. Um, yeah. He would have knocked him out, and I would have just fell you know, free fall on the face first onto the ice. But he, he dropped his right glove and came up and uh, gave me a right hook. And I just at the last second saw it coming. And uh, so he, you know, he tried sucker at me, which was uh, at that point, I was just like, I had no respect for the guy after that. Uh, you know, I mean, this guy, this guy fought Probert, like Probert, you know, he, he was a, you know, that guy was, you know, six, six, he was a, he was a killer. And, uh, yeah. Hell, yeah, they made a movie about Probert. And he was beat up Probert. I don't, I, like, so I'm like, I don't understand why this guy's trying to sucker me. Like, it was, this guy beats up, you know, Bob Probert. And, uh, but, yeah, so I, I, I never lost a fight to him. I, I, I beat him up one time in Boston when I was playing with the Bruins. That and, was uh, the story I wanted you to tell. Yeah, I didn't know about that uh, other one. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, we had, we had back to back home game, or, yeah, home and home. So we had back-to-back games against Toronto, home and home, one in Boston on 22nd, December, and uh, December 23rd in Toronto. And so, Oh, Merry fucking Christmas. Yeah, well, <laughs> we we just scored, like, whatever, and it made it 4-1. to There's 12 seconds to go in the game. Mike Sullivan says, uh, you know, I was Tom, uh, Tom Fitzgerald. Yeah, uh, he was my line mate. He's a GM. I I don't know. He's a GM somewhere now, isn't he? Tom Fitzgerald's um, a GM in New Jersey. Yeah, I was just ta- I was just I was just talking yesterday uh, about Tom Fitzgerald because I was down by uh, Seagull Beach where he rented a house and um, yeah, I hadn't thought of him in a while, but he uh, so Mike Sullivan says, all right, Fitzy lines out. And, um, so as I'm hopping over the over the boards. Sully goes, lack, no bullshit. And I look back at him and I shook my head, like, and then I turn my head with my eyes to, to basically tell him, like, who I'm, who I'm lining up with. Because the guy is supposed to be on the left wing, but he's lined up on the right wing because I'm a left winger, so he wants to be right across me. So, I look back at him and I shook my head and I didn't say anything and basically told him I wasn't going to listen to him. So, so I wasn't going to back down from a challenge because I know this idiot's going to, you know, he's he's lined up there waiting to fight me. So, imagine if I 
Imagine if I, this guy yeah, you can't pan this. And I don't yeah, drop you my gloves. Puss. Yeah, you over your foot yeah. on that one. I would lose all respect of the, of the entire Boston guard. So I yeah, I do that. My coach. So um, yeah, so that I so I I beat him up that night, and then it felt really great for about five minutes until I realized that we had to fly to Toronto tonight and play them tomorrow night. <laughs> so um, so I'm gonna have this guy waiting for me in Toronto to want to beat the shit out of me tomorrow night. So. I basically I didn't. Wayne Primo was my uh, my roommate, and uh, and I was just tossing and turning all night. And I think I must have kept him up too. He's like, he's like, why why aren't you sleeping? I said, you shitting me? Why am I not sleeping? I just beat up Ty Domi. Now I now this guy's wait. This guy was embarrassed. Now he he's gonna come after me and <laughs> probably spear me and take my head off with a stick tomorrow night. Why do I feel like I have to find this fight and put it on our Instagram? Because you know well, it's Tom, there. You, I, it's on YouTube. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it's. Uh, I guess the one he must have some pull with the uh, internet people or whatever. But um, the, the one in Toronto um, is the one that pops up first because it's uh, the one with. I, I think I got my white jersey on, which means that we were on the road. So. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's the one in Boston. It's from it's from December twenty second. The, the here's the funny part. You remember the dates for those fights? Well, the only reason why I remember the dates of that, I don't, I don't remember the date. That's you know, that's a good question. I, the only reason why I remember the dates of that because I remember, um, I remember coming home uh, for for Christmas. Um, I I must mm-hmm. have got home by the time we got out of Toronto. I must have got home like to the Cape at 3 o'clock in the morning because um, I hadn't been back here because I was living in Boston. So I had just bought this house like a year or two before. And, um, you know, so I I was excited to come home. I had my, my parents coming down, my brother coming down. I had, you know, people coming down for for uh, for Christmas. So that's the only reason why I remember the dates. Uh, just because I remember we only had two days off, like, out of like nine months, like we had like – Two days off of Christmas, like that was like a big, big deal that they were like, you know, giving us two days off, which you know, it was better than nothing. So that's the only reason why I remember. <clears throat> was that all right or no? <laughs> George, you there? Hello. It's okay, Luke. I'm not sure. I think I lost these days. George, you pay your bills? <laughs> what are you looking for, bud? Oh, they're right there. Let me see. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Here, George, here's what happened. George, the internet it? in my house. Ha- yeah, the internet is like my, my friend today. And what else? So, can, do, do you have... Do you have a good audience yeah. for this, or? Yeah, of course there is, and you know my internet sucks. <laughs> um, but thank God that I have my like cell phone sitting right next to me. Um, that's okay. It's you... actually a good time. The kids, the kids came in looking for the s'mores uh, sticks. Hey, did you get? Um, I'm gonna walk up. up. Yeah, there was some there was some snow this morning. Even though it's I fucking uh, it's fucking snowing. 
uh, yeah, I mean, we actually had a warmer winter up here than uh, the spring we're having right now. Yeah. So. Which is helpful because uh, I couldn't help anybody shovel. <laughs> because now yeah, we only had like two inches of snow up there most of the year. So. Yeah, that's not that mine. Well, no, it helps you out. So. Yeah. Hell's on my or whatever, but uh, especially with uh, my son's hockey, though, driving, you gotta drive an hour round trip, so um, <clears throat> well, two hours round trip, and uh, you know, so that, that that's always helpful, you know, driving that distance and not having to deal with snow. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll have a hockey season next year. The way everything's going, I don't know. You know, it's funny, like, with that stuff, or, like, the Bruins alumni, like, you guys had a ton of stuff scheduled, like, after this whole thing happened, which helped you out with, you know, with Lukey's season being over. And then, you know, like, that that's just is like, because these towns are put on these alumni games and stuff. They're yeah, really a lot of people looking, lose. Yeah. You know, a lot of people lose out. Unfortunately, I mean it affects everything. It's a ripple effect. And uh, sorry, I'm just trying to get the uh, outdoor fire going for the kids. For the uh, they want to make s'mores. There we go. All right, my part's done. Don't drip marshmallow in there. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. So yeah, it's just I mean everybody gets affected. I mean even the people who depend on like. Money being raised for their, you know, for their charity or their their sick husband or wife or daughter or son or, you know, someone, you know, they lost a loved one who was a policeman that got shot in the line of duty or was killed overseas in the war and they're trying to raise money and they're found, you know, their their son or daughter's uh, name and honor and it's it's it sucks, you know, a lot of people are. Uh, you know, a lot of things, a lot of, everything gets hurt by it. You know, you got to outweigh yeah. the good and the bad. I mean, people are going to die no matter what, unfortunately. I mean, 65,000 Americans died of the flu. I, I don't even know what the total is for the corona right now, but it's got to be over 100,000, right? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, you've, I've seen different numbers. So it's like you can't even tell. Like, there's been a million people affected. Even with that, know. it's just. I got real busy three weeks ago and with my work, and um, I just I'm, I'm happy about that because I haven't had to pay attention to this uh, this stuff. Um, yeah, and and, so. and that's and that's the saving grace is that you know at least like the people who can work and have stuff that can take their mind off it, the the people who have not like who don't who can't work right now because the job shut down or whatever, man, those guys they're driving themselves crazy watching this shit. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm fortunate with my one business that it's, you know, I mean, because it's a seasonal business and it's, uh, you know, it's it's jamming right now, but um, but who knows how long it'll last. But my other business is taking a huge hit. But the people I really feel bad for, I mean, obviously besides the people who are sick from it and people have died and lost mm-hmm. people, but um, like the restaurants, the mom and pop stores, you know, like I. It's just it's awful because yeah. I mean, the unfortunate thing is that everybody in this country, like everybody, um, everybody was doing well up until this thing came. Everybody, 
you know, top to bottom. Yeah. You know, even if you were on food stamps or you're poor before, like, you were actually doing better now, you know. Um, and, you know, that it was a good time in America. Everybody was doing good. Um, so it sucks now. This is, you know, this has set everybody back. Um, you know, a lot of people's lives and livelihoods have been lost. And, you know, they worry about the corona just killing people. But, you know, depression, suicide, drug overdose, alcohol, uh, my, my, my biggest issue is the amount of time that all these kids are spending home with a mom or dad who lost their job and um, the you know whether it's drugs or alcohol the child abuse um, yeah so it's not just it's not the corona just killing people it's 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 a lot more and um, you know they they got to just get people back out of their houses and you know just leave it that hey you know if you have a concern stay home don't leave anybody near you to stay home. So, you know, that's the part that of it that, like, I don't think, I think that's the part, like, a lot of people forgot about was, like, you know, sometimes the refuge, refuge for the kids is going to school or is going to play a sport because whoever can't hurt them there. You yeah. know, where... Um, sorry, you there? Yeah, here. Um, well, that's the thing, like, I mean, you know, you want to be smart and not put people in harm's way, but there's also the flip side to, you know, uh, you know, not having another, another issue, another problem and another, you know, I mean, people dying of other reasons besides Corona. So it's, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I feel like it takes away my freedom a little bit, um, you know, so I think it's just, if you want to go work and you want to, you know, keep the restaurant open and, you know, whatever, uh, you want to go eat at that restaurant, that's your prerogative. And, you know, you run the, you, you know, you run the risk, you know, that's your decision. If you're concerned, then stay home, you know, yeah. stay home, quarantine yourself, don't let anybody come over, you know, whatever. Um, but that's, that should be your decision to make. That's just my, that's yeah, my sense. I mean, I mean, I, I had to actually make a decision for tomorrow because I had people coming down. My brother, sister-in-law, I was going to try to snag my kids for uh, three, four hours and somehow get them away from their mother on Mother's Day because obviously I'm divorced and, uh, you know, they, uh, they're with their mother primarily, primarily most of the time because of my work schedule. And, um, but, you know, we were having friends with the family come down. He was He actually, he, you know, he was just going to come down with my brother and then he's going to bring his family and his kids so that his kids can see my kids. And so I was like, yeah, what the hell? Why, <laughs> you know, why not? I don't, I don't care. I mean, I've been having my parents come over, but my mom sent me a scathing text message, you know, telling me the, um, you know, basically I was the worst person in the world for having a group gathering and during this pandemic. So, I, I, you know, I nixed it for, you yeah. know, the well-being of my of my mom because, you know, I don't I don't want my mom to get sick. And I was going to have her come over tonight. I was going to have my parents come over tonight just to see the kids so the kids could say Happy Mother's Day to her. And, uh, but I just feel like now with the young the children are now dying of uh, corona, so that, that's actually uh, makes me a little concerned at this point. Um, 
So I just told her that I'd bring the kids over tomorrow and say hi from, you know, from the driveway to her. So, um, so, you know, just, I guess just try to be smart and, you know, do the best you can. Yeah. You know, and you think like the other part of the whole thing is now there's that, that child related coronavirus that's even worse than what everybody else again. So it's like, you don't even know. Well, it, it is the China coronavirus. That's where it came from. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's where it came from. That's where it started. It, it, it's so, so funny. Like, there's, there's like, a, oh, you can't two, say that. Two coronas, huh? No, we're in like the forty-third version of it. That's the sad part. No, no, but like, there's like it's the coronavirus that started there and came here. So yeah. Um. Yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, this thing's gonna be this thing's gonna be around for a while, but it'll it'll, it'll definitely be back in the fall. So, so I'm saying, like, it doesn't seem like the world's gonna be opening up for business, and I don't know how now that's gonna affect everything. So, anyways, you know, as a former like former NHL player, when you hear like the league say. All right, let's. We're going to try to do something to get the league going again. You know, and they say like these regional sites and all this bullshit. You sit there and look at it and go, I don't know if I want to be away from my family that long. Yeah, they they can't do that. I mean, that's like like when baseball. I don't know if baseball is doing it, but baseball is talking about having all. How many teams are there? Thirty-two. Yeah, thirty, thirty-two, something they, like that. Yeah, they were talking about having all the teams go play in uh, Vegas. With no fans. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. ballpark that fans should go to. Why? Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't go there as often as you, George. Oh, all right. I've been there three times. Well, I, I've, only, there. I've only I've only I've only flown through there. I don't. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not. I for travel. I forgot to, I like you. I, I forgot to put that in the introduction. The guy that I'm trying to like desperately get to come to Vegas with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vegas presents, Vegas presents a whole bunch of problems. Ah, uh, you'll be fine. You'll be with me. Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'll go check it out someday. You know, like, and so. here's the funny part. If Toronto's, the pre, like, in the lead for the President's Trophy, then they'll probably, I, I could almost guarantee they'd say, oh, well, you know, hey, they're in the lead. Let's just give it to them. Because, you know. I thought, the, Bru- I thought the Bruins were. No, the Bruins are, but that's why they don't want to do this. They don't want to just give the Bruins. Oh, a I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying now. So if Toronto was in the lead, they'd be like, okay, the Toronto wins the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So what? So they're talking about finishing the season somehow. They're trying. They're talking about it, but there's no benefit see... to that though, without any fans. Yeah, like, could you imagine? I, like, I... you play. You were there for the lock. You were there for the year long lockout. Right, but at least you got to go down to the A and play. Can you well, imagine that, how shitty this hockey's going to be? That's the worst. That was the worst uh, time of my life. And uh, you know, I worked so hard to get the hell out of the minors, then to then voluntarily put myself back there. Yeah. Um, and then because now you got every meathead that's down there who's trying to get up to the NHL, licking their chops to be like. Wow, I got a, I got a shot at fighting this guy to make a name for myself, and you know if I beat him up, then an NHL team's gonna have me up next year when we when we resume. 
Um, you know, so I mean that 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 wasn't that was an awful year. So, but yeah, I, I mean, these guys want to they want to play in front of fans. I mean, the fans want to go. These guys want to play in front of fans, and that's the way it should be. I had to take like, out a charger. Like you could, I, I can't imagine watching a game with no with no fans in the stands. Well, yeah, and, and what's the benefit of that? Because they're not generating any revenue. So why would they do that? Oh, oh, see, there you go. That that's where the part is that I, I don't think anybody's really talking about. Uh, because you, you have don't, no fans. You don't. You yeah. don't have the the teams uh, the team store the concessions. You know, I mean, it, everything's ripple effect. You got all these ushers who are out of work. They don't have a job now. Um, some of these guys have stepped up and you know donated some you know some of their salary to these uh, to these people who you know I mean they depend on this. But I I, I don't I don't understand uh, what the benefit is. So, yeah, and you really look at it. Escrow is still in their contract. Like escrow has not left that CBA, right? Like how they said it no, was going. No, I, I was part of that. I was part of that escrow, and uh, yeah, they they must be getting hammered now because I mean the league has to generate. I forget what the magic number was, but back in '06, I think it was like two point two or two point five billion dollars. Uh, the league that was the magic number. The league had to hit 2.5 billion, um, you know, in their sales or whatever. Um, mm. But they're not. That's less than. That's going to be half this year. It, you know, I mean, these guys are right. These guys are right. Checks bad. Yeah, and, and you, you really know, think I about. I don't. I don't feel bad for them. I, I feel bad. I feel bad for the, you know every, everybody who's involved with the game, the fans, the people that work. That depend on this, you know, for their for their jobs, you know. But like, you really think about it. Look at all these guys that sign monster contracts, like the Connor McDavid, like Connor McDavid making like twelve million or whatever the fuck he makes. You know, like what does this? The problem is, it's like what does this do to the salary cap next year going forward? How the fuck are teams? There's going to be fire sales for teams. To just get under the number, or does it like if the cap goes down from eighty to seventy, do they lose twelve percent of their contract? Well, first, I want to ask: are, are these guys even getting paid right now? I don't know. You you you'd know better than I do. I actually I wouldn't because I really uh, I really you know distance myself uh, yeah. from it. You know, I mean the only time I, as you know. We went to uh, uh, the kids are playing Def Leppard now. Nice. Yeah, you've trained them. They do get some of that in them. (laughs) Um, so you know, I mean, I you and I went to uh, brought you up to the alumni box uh, to see the Bruins game last year, and the only time, honestly, I go is to for my son. You know, I I have no interest in going because it's too uh, too painful for me because it's I'm 43 and I I know that I can still be playing. So, you know, I decided to go back and train, and uh, but no one's going to give me that shot. So, but, you know, I, the satisfaction of taking my son, you know, it's 
it's great. Um, yeah, you and I went. It was good. It was you know, a great time. You know, and uh, yeah, and I. So I other than, that, other than that, I don't. I don't know. I I I don't follow. I don't watch. Uh, I do the alumni games. That's it. And then I I will watch the playoff games just because like everything else. Uh, there's nothing better than playoff games, especially even in baseball. I mean, I I love the hunt for October. Like mm-hmm. that's that, that's great. That's that's. Great entertainment. I don't watch baseball all year unless it's, you know, early 2000s uh, Yankees, Red Sox. But um, I, I don't watch it during the season. Like, I would I'd like to t- take the kids to Fenway uh, to have that experience. Absolutely. I, I I brought them a few times when they were younger, and, you know, I had planned on taking them in the summer. But who knows if that will happen. So. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, people don't understand this. Like, Former players don't care. Like, I, it's like you guys. It's you care, but you care to a point. It's like if unless you play like your whole entire career with one team, you go back to like who your childhood team was, right? As like to be a fan when you're when you're done playing. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I I, I still love the game of hockey. I, you know, yeah. My issue is that I didn't go out on my own terms, and it's not sour grapes or, or whatever. It's, I didn't go on my own terms, and it wasn't because of my ability or, or anything like that. It's, um, it took me a long time to realize how political, um, every everything is, you know. Yeah. Um, the one year P- Pittsburgh left me alone, I had my best year. You know, I had six goals, eleven assists, thirteen fights. I got to play in the same line with Mary Lemieux. For thirty uh, for uh, for a month, and um, and that was me. That was better than winning the Stanley Cup, you know. But they left me alone. There was no mind games. Nobody nobody fucked with my excuse my language. I, yeah, anybody listening on. to this? You're on the show. You're <laughs> on the show with me. You can. It's okay. Um, but you know there was there was no there was no mind games. Nobody nobody played mind games with me. Uh, they left like they left me alone. That's a bit. That's the best way of describing it. Yeah. The coaches and the GM, everybody left me alone, and it was like the one year I was left alone. You know, yeah, it was like maybe they were mentally screwing around with like three or four other guys on the team, and somehow like you know they didn't take take a turn on me, and uh, I ended up having my best year. And then after that year, you know, it's it was, it was the only year. So did you play for her? The majority that year? of my career was. It was it was less than enjoyable playing the game anymore because, you know, it was uh, instead of me pregame skating and being all jacked up to play that night at seven o'clock, it was like I'm trying to fall take my pregame nap and, you know, I'm thinking about whether it's Ty Domi or Chris Simon or some other guy in the team that, you know, was waiting to take my head off that night. Um, you know, that's that's not enjoyable. Yeah, no, okay, I cannot. Am I, am I in a, um, you know, ultimate fighting? What, what am I, an ultimate fighter or am I a hockey player? Like, I don't mind fighting to stick up for my teammates, but, like, you know, I just didn't want it to be my job, you know? No, I got it. Um, you can't fault her for that. Language. I mean, did you play for Herb when you were in Pittsburgh? Well, 
no, I didn't play for him, but he, he was there my first uh, full year. He was uh, around helping the team. And it's funny you brought that up because now the kids got Queen on. So it's really ironic. I don't know if you heard that. But uh, they got We Are the Champions on right now. So I don't know. They're playing old school music here. But, yeah, so Herb, Herb was around just helping out the team. Um, and then shortly afterwards, uh, that's when he died in the, um, in the car accident up in, back in Minnesota. I've always heard uh, this, and and you and you were with the Rangers when it happened. Was there any truth to that? He was the next coach of the Rangers, and that's where he was headed. Herb he, Brooks. Yeah. Um. Uh, well. Because I know he was. I know he had interviewed for the job, and the longstanding rumor is is that he was on his way to take the Ranger job. Well, I got I got to New York when. You know, you're talking about the flat-fired uh, Trottier? Yeah. So that was the year I got there. So that so Slats was the interim coach and general manager. Yeah. And then he ducked away from the bench as soon as he traded Leach. That was the greatest move I've ever seen. Well, no, that, that was a year later. Yeah. And, well, that was your second year. Uh, that was your second year. Yeah, but the wheels, had already, the wheels had already fallen off. The, the highest paid – Highest paid team of professional sports. They were higher than the Yankees, or right next to the Yankees that year. Yeah, it was it was completely embarrassing. Like I, because like me, Dale Puritan, and a few other guys were making the least amount, and everybody else was making obviously you know whatever. And uh, but it was embarrassing going into you know other cities and being the highest paid team in the league, and like we're out of the playoffs and um. You know, we we just had eighteen. We had eighteen individuals. We weren't a team. You know, eighteen individuals. Everybody was an all star on the city that they came from. And Slats brought every all star from every team to one team, and we had eighteen guys going in eighteen different directions because they all won the limelight of New York City. You know, so it was too bad because I remember telling Teddy Green, God rest his soul, because he just died this past year. But I remember telling Teddy that, you know, I. I said to him, I said, because he and I were together in Edmonton. You know, he was my assistant coach up there, too. And yeah. I, I, I said, I'm like, I'm like, I go, Teddy, I go, why wouldn't somebody want to do whatever the hell they could to want to stay here? Like, that practice facility was like the state of the art ahead, ahead of everybody else in every sport at that time back in 2002. Yeah. So, the Dolan um, Mahomes. Well, I went from the doghouse to the penthouse as far as the poorest team to the richest team at that at that time because Pittsburgh was the poorest team in the league. You know, I mean, you know, we I, we were like the Cleveland Indians from Major League. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm serious. Like I, I was watching that the other night, and I know <laughs> the guys like the guys taping the, the guys taping the prop with duct tape. <laughs> All I could think about was Pittsburgh. Or or Russia, <laughs> so you played over there too, didn't you? Yeah, oh yeah, I lived in Kazakhstan with uh, with, uh, with Borat or whatever the hell the guy's name. God damn, I love you. This is why we're friends. Like for no other reason are we <laughs> friends. Is that you made a Borat reference here? Well, I never. To be honest with you, I've never wasted my time watching that movie. Oh, uh, you're missing out. I, I, I only know about it because everybody. Anytime I told somebody I've lived and played in Kazakhstan, 
all they could say was Borat, and I got to be honest with you, they all hate that over there because I'm sure they do. It, well, yeah, because nobody, yeah, because nobody knows them for any other reason other than Borat. But I got to tell you though, it's it is. Tell me, awful. it's beautiful over there. It, is, it right? is all. It's like all prairie land, but when I was there, it you know it's in Siberia, so it's minus fifty-five to minus sixty degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, for like four months, so, uh, but their sewer systems above ground and like, um, and uh, they, it, it was just like going to rank like, like it's just the smell like it, it, and like you know for them they're used to it you know but yeah. being someone from like a civilized world, and yeah, so um, it, it was gross, <laughs> but like the plane we flew on. Had one of those glass noses. Remember from like the like the like the forties or fifties? No, no way. Yeah, that, really? That was, that was our plane. Yeah, that was our plane. Take your life yeah, in your hands ex, every game. The ex-president's plane, but the thing was the thing was fifty something years old. Holy shit! So, and then you know, six months later, the uh, you know the, the whole team the, you know died from the from the plane crash. Was that the team and, you were on? No, it wasn't the same team I was on, but it was oh. the same league. And, like, and, and um, obviously, you know, uh, as terrible as that was, I was not, I was not surprised. I um, was not surprised to hear that mm-hmm. because when I was there, it's in, we're in Siberia. And we, didn't, we never de-iced before going up, even in Moscow. When we flew into Moscow to play, like, because Moscow's got, like, five teams in and around the yeah. city. We fly into Moscow, which is a big international airport. Um, you know, I remember leaving there, like, I don't know, it must have been like 1130 at night. We got on a plane, and, um, you know, before you head out to the, to the runway, they always see ice. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Just straight out to the runway and see you later. <laughs> no, no de-icing. So you hope no, you no, come no back deal. home, right? It's, it's snow, it's snowing, you know, but no big deal. <laughs> You'll get back uh, soon, comrades. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> You'll we'll see you again soon, comrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, but you know, I, it was an experience. You know, it's certainly every time I played overseas, yeah. it certainly made me appreciate America. That's for sure. Yeah, but it, you know, there were some there were some really good places. Switzerland's a beautiful place to live. Norway. Um, you know, I wanted I wanted to check out. I mean, I've been to you know I've been to Germany and other places, Russia, and um, yeah, I wanted to check out some other places. Like I wanted to stop in Ireland on the, on the way home from uh, Norway, my season in Norway, but I had uh, broken my neck, so um, so that 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 idea was out the window. So, but I plan I plan on going I plan on going over to see that uh, that country at some point. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Have you been? I, I've seen a lot of pictures. <laughs> You've seen a lot of pictures. Yeah. I go I, on my phone right now and see a lot of pictures. My uh, yeah, no, my wife has okayed me going over there whenever Garth Brooks decides to play a concert over there. He plays in Ireland? He he used to. He The last tour that he did, he was... um. He was going to start it over there. 
and he originally had three nights set up. And then, obviously, it's Garth, and Garth sells more tickets than anybody because he yeah, sells I'm them all. Con- I'm a huge country guy, right? But yeah, I like I like some of our songs, but I'm he's like he's he's like a little too country for me, you know. Can I, Danny? I, I will tell you this: we've seen Chesney together. You think Chesney's good in concert? He does, Garth. He doesn't even carry Garth's good shock strap. Really? Garth is three hours. It's just him. He he's nuts. Like the tour, he had Trisha open. Like Trisha came out. She sang five songs in the middle just so he can like grab a Gatorade. And even that, he was out there for two of the five songs. The, the guy. It, Garth Brooks concert is a religious experience. Well, I'll have to. Uh, I should definitely catch him on tour. Then I, I just don't like when someone retires and then. Oh, like well, why are you retiring? You're on, you're on, you're on the uh, you know, well, you're on the high. Well, let's see, look, think about it. he. he I feel he, like it's for like attention. No, I think <laughs> I, I really believe he stepped away because. Of his baby, I, I think he wanted to raise his kids, and you know, well, and all his kids, right? Gra- yeah, all his kids graduated high school, and he was like, "I kind of miss doing this." <laughs> like we went out to Notre Dame to see him, and it was. You want to talk about lake effect snowstorms? God damn, dude, we were fucking popsicles in Notre Dame Stadium. Like, oh, it, I remember you went there. Yeah, dude, it was. Disgusting! How cold it was. When was that? A couple, a year and a half, two years ago. It's gonna be two years ago, yeah. That see George, dude, I pay attention, right? Yeah, you do. I, I probably sent <laughs> your pictures from there. Like we had floor probably. seats at we had floor seats at Notre Dame Stadium, and you had to walk out the tunnel. I have a picture like of me in the Notre Dame tunnel with the "Here Come the Irish" behind me. Like, there's no reason I should have that picture. Well, that's a good picture to have. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see Touchdown Jesus. I went to Mass in the Cathedral. I went to the Grotto. The bookstore, you've never seen. Like, you went to BU, and BU has a great book, or had the great bookstore on Kenmore. Yeah, I, Notre I, I Dame. went in the bookstore one time. I'm sure. I'm, I'm positive you did. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you. One, one Mom time. was there, huh? <laughs> I, I had to go get my books. And then... <laughs> Of them, uh, half of them were uh, helped raise the uh, my bed off the ground. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, like I, I actually enjoy uh, I enjoy reading books now. Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. That's like that's like another thing. Uh, you know, for me, like I, I don't know, I just feel like I learn differently, and um, yeah. I like to learn about stuff that I have interest in. You know, something stuff that I wish they taught. I wish they taught everybody how to do electricity, you know, be an electrician and a plumber. Yeah. Those are all things you need in life to help run your home. And uh, I wish those are all things that were taught to me. And, uh, you know, I didn't have interest in some of the stuff. I, 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 had, I loved history, um, you know, and um, I, I always did well with history class because I, I found history interesting. And um, But now, you know, I read books about, you know, history every now and then when I'm, you know, and I have some downtime. Um, you know, during one of my unfortunate events a few years ago, 
Um, I actually read a whole – I read a uh, book uh, called uh, Gone by James Patterson. Okay. And it's my first book by him, and I must have like 10 books by him now. That book was like – it's as it's clear in my head as a movie to this day. It was really? like – Yeah, the characters, like I can see these characters, and they're like their character images that I put in my own head and like – that's how detailed mm-hmm. and how into this book I was. And I read the whole thing front, front to back in one day. I had nothing else wow. to do because I was, I was tied up. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, this well, old woman, I asked, if, I asked her if I could have something to read, and she handed me this book, and I went to town. You know, I, had, uh, you know, my, I had my friend who worked there. Uh, he, he gave me a coffee and a Dunkin' Donuts coffee and a can of Kodiak, and... I was good to go. So, yeah, I, um, I, I've been working on Rizzo's book for about a month, just because like I pick it up, I put it down, I pick it up, I put it down, and then I got back into playing like NCAA football or trying to find any video game you, that this, you're still on. This James Patterson, like, like, I it's all the way that guy writes, and like I, I, I just get it, and I, you know, uh, I, I don't know, I. No, I just I I try to grab books over the history and stuff like that, and I just find that interesting. And um, other than that, I don't really have much time to you know. Wish I had more time to read or whatever. So, um, yeah. So the bookstore, the uh, yeah, I was only in there one time, and that was it. <laughs> well, I, I've probably been there more times than you have, but that's only because a really good friend of mine went to BU and. Well, if I'm going to root for a college hockey team, it's Boston University. Um, that team yeah, you were on there. Cool. Oh, I'm not doubting yeah. it. Uh, but that team you were on there. Your brother played at Maine, right? With like on the Paul Korea Yeah, he team? won the uh, he won the national championship in '93. He was one of the captains of the Maine team. My other brother, my oldest brother Billy, played at UNH. Um, I actually, I actually really wanted to go to Maine. Uh, but they were on. Uh, uh, they were on. Well, they were suspended by the NCAA. Um, you know, they were because they violated some rules because they got investigated, and uh, some of the guys were ineligible to play that were on the team that when they wanted. So um, they couldn't play in the playoffs for a couple of years. So I knew when I went to school that I had to go to a school that I knew I was going to only be there maybe two years at most. And I wanted a quick championship and out. And uh, obviously I couldn't do that in Maine because they were, they were suspended. So, um, but I went there, it was tough because I got booed by the fans. Um, you know, cause my, my, obviously David went, my brother David went there and um, that, that was hard, you know, cause I, they, they didn't know. I mean, um, you know, if they had asked me, I mean, I would have told them like, oh, "This is my first choice," you know. My yeah. heart, my heart was in Maine, but I, I just couldn't come there because I, we, we couldn't, we couldn't participate in the playoffs. So, what the hell are you playing for? No, I'm not playing just to play the season and say an hour, you know, see you next year. You know, I, I play to win. So, yeah. Um, but the, fun, the funny thing is that my junior uh, high school BC committed to me like a full ride, like they. So my dad played with Jerry York at BC. Um, mm-hmm. So Jerry called my dad. I was living in South Hadley, and you know my parents lived in Natick. And I was living with a family out there playing junior hockey, and 
we come to uh, Lawrence Academy School and um, you know we were playing and uh, in the uh, I, I must have like November must have November or whatever uh, they had some like Thanksgiving tournament or whatever we slept in the library our team because that's just what they did every year they the school allowed our team to sleep in the library um, so I just remember getting into my my dad coming up and from Natick and he uh yeah you know he tells me to get in the car it's snowing out you know I got a I got a game coming up and um you know there's colleges always there there's you know there's pro scouts there and my dad tells me that BC just offered a full ride and I told my dad I mean cause that's that's a lot of money for my parents you know yeah no shit I mean, if I if in, if I say yes on the spot like you know, BC's on the hook. Like, even if I get hurt, like they're they're on the hook. You know, like I get yeah. a free education, and I'm I'm trying to think more as parents. But I know my junior high school, I wasn't thinking about getting hurt and having it, having, nah. you know, affect the rest of my life. So I told my dad, I said no. I said I, I said I don't want to go. He's like, well, just think about it. Well, the reason why he wanted to think about it is he already told Jerry York that I would go. He, he committed <laughs> me without even asking me. <laughs> so. <laughs> you know, he's telling me to think about it because, you know, he's scrambling like Peter Griffin right now. His eyes are probably going side to side. Like, you know, he doesn't know what the hell to do. Shit will go blind. So, you know, you know how Peter Griffin gets when he's, uh, he gets put in a tough situation. Um, but anyways, like, my, 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 you know, my heart, like, my heart was at BU because, uh, you know, I had all the schools out west. You know, in the, either in the central or the western schools, and I just told all of them I wasn't leaving the east. So I, cause yeah. I just told them to stop, stop contacting me, stop bothering me, because I, I had no interest in going that far away from uh, my parents. Because I, I wanted my parents to be able to, you know, be able to have the chance to watch me every game in person. Um, I mean, they they helped me. Without them, I wouldn't have gotten to where I did. Um, you know, without their sacrifice and time and whatever you know, little money we had, you know, they spent it on us kids. And, you know, that's why I, you know, I try to I try to do whatever I can for my parents um, as a thank you because without the opportunity they gave me, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's why I, my, my heart was, I wanted to stay in the East for my parents. Um, so, you know, I really, the only school I really wanted to, you know, wanted to play out, or that made sense was BU because it was a city kid. The city kid played at, at BU. BC had still had like the Cedar Chuck kids that were all their parents paid money, greased the coach or greased the AD to let them they let their son, you know, their little Johnny play on the uh, on the team, you know. Yeah. Um, like the Callahan, you know, like rich yuppie. Like that was not like my cup of tea. <laughs> like those people are like not. I I, I don't. Even when I was making good money, like me ever living in Austinville or like buying a house and being around people with tight sweaters around their neck, and no, <laughs> like definitely not. So you know? what we've learned is that you're more Woody Boyd than you are Fraser Crane. Well, I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I like like the city. Like even though I grew up. 20 minutes outside of Boston, like, yeah. I mean, the, 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 that personality, like a city kid, like the, the kid that had to work 
the kid that had to work to get yeah, the blue collar thing was. Yeah, but so yeah, it's like I can't I can't be around people who just handed shit, you know, like because like yeah. if you handed something but you appreciate it and you you actually do something with it, then that's one thing. But I can't stand like being around people who are handed shit and like and don't even appreciate it, you know. So I, but yeah, so that's how I end up at BU. BU was my. Uh, you was my school. Yeah, I mean, you won the bean pot. You got you guys won there, right? Yeah, we won the bean pot, um, and we won uh, won hockey east, and we upset Michigan in the semifinals, and uh, we ended up losing North Dakota five to four in the finals. They they actually had a good team. Yeah. So they um um yeah it was, it was, they had a good team. So we, we were winning two nothing after the first. You know, Parker comes in and says, you know, the good news is that we're winning 2 nothing. The bad news is that you guys are playing like shit. <laughs> so everybody thought if we just turned it around, like, then, you know, we'd, we'd end up just coming back and winning, like, no problem, you know? Yeah. So, but, yeah, that, that was that was tough. We had two of our top players not, uh, not perform that game. Um, you know, they tossed up, you know, they tossed up the – Two pizzas up the middle in the second period, and next thing you know, we're down four to two. So, so that that, that was that was a tough one to swallow, but uh, but it is what it is. When you like when you look at like that BU team you played on, like who's on? Oh, Jory's on that team, right? Hold on a second. Okay. What's up, George? No, who was on that BU team with you? It was Jory and? Yeah, Drury, Kelty, Pody, uh, Sean Bates. Uh, we we had we had a good team. I mean, yeah. You know, we we had a we had the uh, you know we had a blue collar team. You know, Michigan was loaded that year. They had Madden, Turco. They they were just absolutely loaded. <laughs> so, um, but North Dakota uh, North Dakota was uh, they were a good team. So, yeah, like, well, you know, it's it's so funny, like, how good oh, that second. team was. Sorry, what's up, Lee? Oh, maybe it's a little pebble. Take it off. And... Um, sorry, George, go ahead. That's right. You, uh... No, go ahead. No, like, that team was like, I mean, you talk about, like, your brother played on, like, the greatest college hockey team ever with that main team, because that had, like, Korean and a bunch of other guys. Your team did you see that on a couple weeks ago? What's that? Did you did you see the uh, they had Maine BU uh, hockey East finals in '92? Uh, what was it on Nesson? And, I don't uh, get Nesson. I have to get your yeah, login oh, that's for right. it. I, I did text you about that. Yeah, you said you didn't <laughs> yeah, get you that. Yeah, you did. I need to get your login so I can watch Nesson down here. Well, I don't think login. I think whatever <laughs> cable service provider. You have. <laughs> well, uh, I'm lucky my cable service provider gives me like you know. The Big Twelve Network, the Big Ten Network. Yeah, um, yeah, they had that on. It's like they like Keith Carney, like his team his career. I mean, it was they had, they had a lot of uh, you know they were they were stacked. So, of all the cities you played in, and you don't have to say New York because you met me, but where was your favorite place to play? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Okay. 
why you don't like that? No, I, I, I wasn't expecting Pittsburgh. I was so helpful for you to say, like, going home was tough. Like, going home must have been the best, though. Playing for the Bruins. Well, going home, yeah, going home. But the experience I got here, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into it any further than no, what I, I have you. in the in, in the papers here because I'm actually in an organization right now where his brother is working, and I like his brother, and you know, I don't hold anything personal against the guy. Um, you know, because he's he's not a bad guy. Just the way he used and treated me was not. Uh, uh, it was it was a career killer. So yeah, um, you know, I mean, I was a PK specialist in Pittsburgh and New York, and then I come to Boston. Like, I don't kill penalties anymore. I I used to score shorthanded goals. Like, yeah, I didn't want to go down that road. But Pittsburgh, like, was the best. Playing in Boston was an honor to wear that jersey. Because um, yeah. as a kid, as a kid, like, that's why you play hockey. Like, you see these guys on TV, and you're like, wow, like, like. I wish I could play there someday, but the reality of that is from the none. So, um, yeah. So just to be able to wear that sweater, you know, that, that jersey with, you know, the pride and honor. Um, we actually had a good team. We just weren't coached that good that year. And, yeah. Um, and I think he's become a better coach. And it's unfortunate <laughs> that that year he decided, like, he just wanted to play three lines. So. Yeah, um, and he's a BU guy too, fellow fellow BU guy, you know, ruined another BU guy's career. So makes no sense. Hey, here, here's one thing: when you went back to when you went back to Providence in what two two twenty oh nine twenty ten, who'd you play with? Um. Well, uh, <laughs> oh, you played with Bergeron the first time. Mar- now, Marshawn right? was there. Yeah, Marshawn was there. Then the first time you were there, you were with with Bergeron, right? Yeah, Bergeron is very open and vocal. He's vocal about what he really wanted me at the Bruins, and um, so after lockout, that's why they ended up signing me. But the only person that was hanging it up was Sully. So, yeah, uh, it should have been a sign. But I was over at Davos, Switzerland, which, by the way, is one of the nicest and most beautiful places like you could probably go. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was over there, but my my heart was back here, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, you know, so I, I, did, I knew the situation didn't seem right. It took them ten straight losses for something for a trigger to be pulled, and that's when I came home. So, mm-hmm. and then Man. a week later, they traded, they traded, they traded uh, Joe Thornton because he and Sully um, didn't get along. So. Right. Do you find it amazing? Like we're both Pats fans, so like Adam Vinatieri's been a Colt longer. He's been a Patriot. The fact that Thorne's been a Shark longer than he's a Bruin does that like not amaze you? Yeah, it does. But like I had this conversation earlier today that I'm a lifelong like long before the Patriots ever won a Super Bowl, I was a lifelong Patriot because they're a Boston team, right? Yeah. And so am I. It's not like I'm a Tom Brady fly by night. Fuck him. No, but I know, but it's, it's a big but now because the yeah. but is is that it's not the same. It's not the same effect. Like it's not no. the same. Like it's not like any, anything is possible. Like with Brady, anything is possible. If he retired, he retired. But the fact that he's still playing, like it's just like Mary Mary Lemieux. Like obviously Brady didn't. Re- 
obviously Brady never met Lemieux because Lemieux, um, he he did everything he could to keep the uh, Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh instead of moving. They, they were going to move the team to Kansas City. Want to know why he did everything he could keep the team in Pittsburgh? Because if the team lost. moved to Kansas City, his legacy died in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So he did everything he could to keep his legacy alive and kept the team in Pittsburgh. And that's why, like, Brady, how much money do you need, really? Like, your wife, it makes – how much money? Like, <laughs> why, like, why not – like, everything that happened here, like, how how do you become – like, I, and then Gronkowski on there, it's like it's, it's almost like a knife in the back. You know, I'm like really sour. Like that's, I, I feel like he ended, he didn't end his career the way he could, he could have. And he had, he had all the cards. I didn't, I didn't end, my career didn't end the way I wanted to. Brady had the chance to end his career with, you know, what, in a different way, in my opinion. But who the hell am I to judge him? <laughs> all right. So I'm out washing houses and roofs these days. He'll never have to do that again in his life. So yeah, it's like it's amazing. Like with the Brady thing, it's like I don't care if you can't get along with Belichick anymore. Like at that point, get the fuck over. It. Yeah, that, there's something there's something happened there last summer going into this year. Yeah, it might have happened like, after. It might have happened after the Kenny Chesney concert we were at, but <laughs> actually, no actually, I'm gonna blame you now. <laughs> oh, you dick! Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's funny. So, it, I, I, there's, I have a thought process. I think it has a lot to do with Giselle and the thing that Kraft got himself involved with. Soon. You happy though? You're not dripping with what? Uh, Marshall, are you? <laughs> like I, I, uh, I can almost, I'm almost, I can I'm almost, almost done with this interview. You guys know I'm doing an interview, right? <laughs> That's right. Tell Luke I said hi. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Like, am I off on this? Like, will Boston fans hate him if he comes back there next year with a Tampa Bay Buccaneer jersey again? Wait, oh, sorry. Now, now it's weird. Um, I think well, a lot of people are gonna feel the same way that, like, I feel. Like, I mean, how much, how much money do you actually need to make? I mean, obviously, well, I mean, obviously, I'd rather have that extra million dollar or millions of dollars in my son and daughter's account than not. I mean, yeah, I, but he's already got I, generational worth. I, I, I know. I, I know. That's why I don't understand. I had that conversation earlier today. It. It's not going to feel the same. Obviously, I'm always going to root for the Patriots, but it's not going to feel the same. So the beginning of the end of the dynasty, uh, like who the hell are we going to have quarterback to team? Yeah. The only other person that could think... fill his shoes, the only other person that could fill his shoes, was Garoppolo. And but you know, my dad's like, you know, Aaron Rodgers might be coming on the market. I'm like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers does not make the key decisions that Tom Brady makes. No. So my, you know, my dad seems to think that, you know. But 
Me and like, your dad are on the same wavelength there, though, buddy. <laughs> no, it's not, for me, it's not even a comparison. Tom Brady, hands down, clutch situation, game on the line. Who's going to come through? Tom Brady. It happened for 20 yeah. straight years. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> nada. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> He's a great quarterback. I love I love. He's his never had a great coach, I love uh, whatever, but that's not the coaches in, in the play with yeah, it's true. two seconds going the game, and you gotta you gotta make a play to win the game. Tom, who who does it? Tom Brady. It's not yeah. it's not even a comparison. Tom Brady will always he'll always be the goat. So yeah, he will be. Yeah, it's almost like it, it's, it's, it's not sour, like sour as I am that he's still playing and he's not in a Patriot jersey. He'll always be the goat because I I had that respect for him. You know, it's not like I can only imagine what it had been like when, you know, the Bruins ultimately traded Ray Bork away to win. And it was like, all right, we did this for Ray. Well, this is like selfish. Ray hadn't, Ray hadn't won a Stanley Cup and he, he, he deserved to, he deserved to win one. And yeah. that was different. It still doesn't seem, um, you know, real or pure, or pure, but it, you know, they Colorado still had to beat some tough teams to win that cup, and you know, they definitely, they definitely earned it. You know, yeah. But you know, I mean, he, did he deserve to have a Stanley Cup? Yes. I mean, just because he got traded doesn't mean it was definitely going to happen. So, but he's he's an amazing he's an amazing. Uh, Talk about a guy who loves the game and loves to play, you know. I got to come up Ray and see you guys play Ray plays a lot of the one of my games. So I got to come up to one of those games next year. Yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, I'll let you know what game to come to because of, uh, you know, sometimes we play uh, teams of other, you know, other uh, other uh, you know Philly. Philly, we played a game a couple of years ago with Philly um, up in Maine. Um, so. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm so pissed that you didn't play time. in the garden because I was so ready to be at that game. Which uh, the, oh, the, uh, down the I was match so ball. there I, for that. I, I was on the roster. I know you were. Um, I know. We I had coached the team, and I would have yeah. had to have missed. I would have had to have missed both those games. Yeah. And another conversation I was having this morning was about the you know making sacrifices for my kids and all like. Uh, my I, I, own. You know what? Oh, my own ones, you know? So, and, and you know what? I, I had just, to back out of a lot of games this year. And that just so. shows, like, the maturity and, like, you know, the fact that you got to do it. I mean, you know, you, you willingly stepped up to do it. And, hell, he, he's going to be better in the long run for it. Well, you know what? My parents is, gave me an opportunity. And, uh, and you know, it's the same thing I want to do for my kids. You know, um, I mean, why else have kids? You know, unless you're gonna unless you're gonna be there to help them. So hey, well, get back get back to them kids. I'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. All right, you have a good night. Appreciate you, bud. You too, man. We gotta do this again when we find other shit to bullshit about. Hour and twelve minute conversation. I know. I'll I'll send you the bill. <laughs> I'll, I'll repay it in Kansas Zodiac. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they, my kids, my kids got their rollerblades on. 
So they're uh, they're just zipping around uh, out back there. So they're they're happy. So yeah, I got a fire outdoor fire going for them. So they got their music going, some more. So they're good. Good kids. Yeah, well, we'll get to get we'll get together as soon as the pandemic's over. We feel like it's okay too. All right, bud. All right, man. All right. I'll talk to you later. Later, bud. Later, bud. Yeah, bye. Bye. That was our good friend, Dan Lankator. Uh, we'll be back with more of the show right after.
we didn't do a great job of uh, putting descriptions in every episode, unless we had like somebody big on, then we did that there. Um, UFC 249 prelims are on ESPN Plus, so or ESPN ESPN Plus. So um, if you want to watch live sports, it's on. Um, Dana White stacked the card tonight because he figured, well, I'll do something. Um, you know, hey, we had three shows this week, and this is the third of them. We had some great discussion Thursday night with uh, Brew and the Coach talking sports. Um, so if you listen to that and we didn't get to your phone call or thought we had a good point and want to bring that, dredge that back up because we had the, the great Pete Rose steroid user debate which I don't even know why it's a debate anymore. I mean, the difference between Pete Rose and steroid guys is is apples and oranges. I mean, it is one is you know liking you know the original trilogy trilogy in Star Wars and the other and the you know the other ones the prequels. If you thought those were any good, well, then you're an idiot. Um, but yeah, we, we sit there and we, we look at the whole Pete Rose saga, and that's pretty much what it's become. There, that's a guy who just didn't get it, didn't get to do the right thing. You know, he just wanted his cake and wanted to eat it too, and he, and he thought because of who his, he is and who his name was and all that stuff, that he really thought that he was going to get a pass and that nobody was going to go after him. Well, Giamatti did. And, you know, like I I iterated the other day, I can't find an owner in baseball or, or a commissioner that baseball ultimately gets that's going to sit there and side with him because of the fact that, you know, um, Giamatti never got to hear him be remorseful. You know, so in that case, in that in that respect, that's really tough for any commissioner post. I mean, and there hasn't been many. You know, I, you know, you've had Seelig and you've had Rob Manfred. You know, so when you look at that part of it, it it's really tough for the next commissioner to know why it happened. I mean. You really think you had GMI, then you had Faye Vincent. Faye Vincent had tumultuous years. And then you had Celia Manfred. So you've had three since GMI. Well, honestly, Celia was probably one of the worst commissioners in baseball. Um, you know, um, and then you had – it's just a tough situation to put any of the next guys in because you're destroying somebody else's legacy. And I just can't see them wanting to do that. You know, let's not forget, baseball got a commissioner because of the Black Sox. Man. Um, 
and that was Tennessee Mountain Landis. Um, and he ruled over baseball for 25 years. I, I don't think baseball commissioners or any commissioner of any sport should have more than 10 years in the job. You know, you look at Bowie Coon. He was there for 25 years. Ford Frick was there for 15 years. You know, at some point you get too old for a job. And you're serving owners. You're not serving the game. Yeah, you really got to look at that part of it. You, you're serving the game from one, from one perspective, but you're really serving the owners um, in, the, in other, the other. Where, hey, as long as the owners are making money, they don't care. You know, they their job and your job is to create revenue streams, whether it's revenue streams of you know, a new television, a national television deal. It's a new, uh, like the BAM thing, uh, you know, with creating MLB.TV and all that stuff, where baseball made itself a ton of money when they sold it to Disney. And now you see that, you know, they've taken that and they use it for ESPN Plus and Disney Plus and whatever else they're using it for. Um, where, holy shit, that dude's fucked up. Um, and, and you just look at the whole thing in general. And um, baseball's biggest problem is, and we talked about this the other night, we talked about it last night, it, it's how to grow the game. How are you going to grow the game going forward? I don't think Rob Manfred has a clue on how to do it. You know, I think trying to um, trying to speed up the game, that's not what baseball is. People are not are not, not watching baseball because the game takes three and a half hours. If you find me a good pitcher, they'll all sit there for four hours and watch a baseball game. You give me a great game, I – Watching a 10-11 baseball, 11-10 baseball game is not fun to watch because there's no skill there. Yeah, guys can home runs. Guys can – I think the worst thing to happen up for a team in a big inning or what could be perceived as a big inning is a grand slam. You get the bases chucked, guys swing for the fence now and they strike out. What happened to putting a ball in play? Give me a couple balls in play. Give me – you know, a, a good snowman up on the uh, on the scoreboard as opposed to a four. Because you hit a grand slam, the pitcher's out of it. All right, he gave up four runs, but he's still out of it. You give up a couple singles, and you put up a six spot, the pitcher never got out of it. They're probably changing pitchers again. You're going two, three, or four pitchers in an inning. And that's where the strategy of baseball comes in. How are you going to let this guy – Die on the cross. How are you going to let a guy stay out there and just get mauled? And sometimes you have to. Sometimes he's got to eat it. That's a them thing. Whereas 
you know, you hit the grand slam, all right, there's your four spot. All right, shake it off. Now he's back in the windup. You figure, yeah, got the bases chucked, maybe get a walk. All right, there's a run. Couple base hits, double. Still pitching out of the stretch. I've yet to meet a pitch. I've yet to meet a pitcher who likes throwing from the stretch. Everybody wants to be in the windup or a modified windup, which is what a lot of guys are going to now because it's less movement to throw off. But you really think about it, it's what you got to look for. You got to look for what can happen, what position battles there are. And, and, you know, football in the outfield, hit a ball the opposite field, hit a ball the other way on the ground hard. Running on second base with no outs, there's no reason not to move them over with one out. So then if you hit, you know, the fly ball. Baseball, there's just too many strikeouts. There's too many pitches thrown in a game. Guys are taking more pitches for the most part. There's nothing wrong with a 10-pitch at bat. And they're so rare nowadays. What's it's what makes guys like Brett Gardner of the New York Yankees very good. The guy can bat on a bat, and sometimes you just need that, especially to start off a game. Yeah, walking into a, a leadoff home run gets the crowd jacked, but a lot of these stadiums, a seven o'clock game on a weeknight, how many people are actually in the ballpark to see that first pitch, that first inning jack? Lead off home run. Not many. Most people aren't in their seats until the second inning anymore. So don't tell me it's that. It's because it's too damn expensive. It's too expensive to go to a game in New York. And that's the and that goes to the entire argument here. Why is baseball's attendance down around the country? Because it's not because it's boring. It's because it's just too damn expensive. People have learned that they could sit at home, watch as many games as they want if they got the packages. There's too many games on national television. There's too many games on the NMLB network. There's too many games on on um, ESPN. There's too many games on Fox. Cut down the amount of games that you're giving people and make them go to the ballpark. Force people to go to the ballpark. Everybody used to kill the, the Blackhawks owners for saying, we're not going to televise our home games. All right? We're not going to televise our home games because we want people to come here to see them. Well, that Okay. But you can but you can only get twenty thousand people in a hockey arena. Baseball, thirty four thousand people going to a stadium eighty one times a year. And if you look at Yankee Stadium or Shitty Field, who can afford a hundred bucks a pop on average? Eighty one times a year, thirty times a year, twenty times a year. For some people, going to a baseball game is the equivalent. 
financially of going to Disney World or going on a vacation. Going to a baseball game should not be compared to going to Disney World. People shouldn't have to sit there and go, well, if we do a Yankee game, we can't go on vacation. And that's that's a problem. That's a problem baseball has to figure out. Where you look at a team that's 90 miles south of New York that you could sit 10 rows off the field for 70 bucks in a nicer stadium. For years, Baltimore was taken over by Yankee fans who wanted to sit close to the field, who wanted to enjoy a game, see a ballpark, get away. If you go to Baltimore and spend 100 bucks for three games and tickets, as opposed to 100 bucks a pop for one game in the Bronx, that's a problem. That's a problem that the Yankees and Mets both have, is that they've priced out the common man. The common man who used to love going to baseball games, like we heard the other night. You know, when I was in high school 22, 23 years ago, 20 bucks got you a bleacher seat, your train, your everything, a hot dog and a soda. 20 bucks doesn't even get you in the Yankee Stadium anymore. You can walk up, day a game, get your buddies, have a 20 spot, take the train over, take the subway up, buy your ticket, buy a hot dog, buy a soda, and come home. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. And and the owners can't understand it. That's why StubHub has gotten so big. That's why, you know, the SeatGeeks of the world have gotten so big. Because a Tuesday night against the Kansas City Royals, no disrespect, sells on there for like five bucks. And you can say whatever the hell damn damn well please. And then you see other markets where you can't get in. It's, it's almost impossible to get into a game at Fenway Park for face value. It's almost impossible to get into a game at Wrigley Field for face value. You didn't need a new stadium in New York. And that new stadium in New York just killed the Yankees, and they don't want to admit it. You're listening to The George Bruce Show on blog. Talk radio. This is Dave from the Dave Matthews Band for Rad. When you go out and party, get drunk, then drive, you're not only loaded, you're a loaded weapon. When you celebrate, designate. Choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is Ball Vinny from the Right Field Bleacher Crew, which is a Yankee stadium. And all real Yankee fans know you get the authentic apparel at BallVinny.com. Right Field Bleachers, Anti-Boston, all the real stuff, all the hardcore fans wear. Only shop BallVinny.com. Hello, hockey fans. This is Paul Stewart, former NHL referee, ambassador for Hockey Fights Cancer, asking you to get in the fight. Dial 1-800-540-6500 or log on to HockeyFightsCancer.com. Make a donation and become part of our team.
Get in the fight. Hey, college basketball fans. This is Brian Phelps from the Piper Athletic Fund at Seton Hall. If you're a Seton Hall basketball fan or just a college basketball fan living in New Jersey, the memories of the 1989 Seton Hall basketball team will forever live in your memory. You can get a copy of the brand new DVD, Band of Pirates, out now. Visit shupirates.com to order your copy today. Hi, this is Jennifer Corbin. Check me out at www.jennifercorbin.com. Hey, this is Beverly from Rock Love Bus, and you're listening to the only sports show that I listen to, What's Brewing? Barnaby, and you're listening to What's Brewing. Scotty, no more autographs, please. Hey, welcome back to the George Brew Show here on Block Talk Radio. 563-999-3488 is your number to call in. You look at the overall sports landscape today, and we don't know when we're going to have sports again. UFC is doing a good job of trying to get us sports, but it's still in an empty arena. And all these sports playing in empty arenas, it's weird. <laughs> for for lack of a better anything, it's just weird. And we've talked for years here between myself, you know, how we worked them when we used to do the What's Brewing in Hockey show. Scotty, who's supposed to be here, but, you know, whatever. Um, that there was going to have to be a correction. And that correction could be called COVID-19. Are teams going to realize, coming out of this, hey, we're going to be a lot kinder and gentler to the fans. Are we going to have to do certain things to get fans back in arenas? 
get fans back in stadiums. Get fans back on the golf course, um, the racetracks, you know. NASCAR, I think, has kept themselves relevant through this by doing the, the Pro Invitational Series through iRacing. Because that's a sport that could do that. You know, they did such a great job of it that everybody else followed suit. The NBA did it. The Major League Baseball did it. It doesn't work for those sports. It works for NASCAR because the guys are still driving a car, whether it's a real car or a virtual car, but it worked for NASCAR. It got guys like Bobby Labonte back on the track. It got Dale Jr. back on the track. It got Jeff Gordon back on the track. People want to see them. Okay. People want to see them. People want to see Dale Jr. drive a car. He was supposed to drive a car right before this all happened. Couldn't happen because of COVID-19. So when you look at um, you know, the whole thing, it's what kind of – what are we coming back to? You know, you look at – you know, like we were talking about with, with Danny. Um, players playing in an empty building, they don't want to do that. The problem is, is that as much as I we say, and I said the other night, and we'll, we'll say it again, I don't pay money to see Robert Kraft throw a football. I don't pay money to see James Dolan play goaltender. I pay to see the players play. They're the product. Unfortunately, the owners have the financial stake in it. So if the players want to get paid, where this is where the problem will come next year, because the NFL guys, look, if you were expecting a lockout, you'd do a little bit better job of preparing yourself financially. If you have this, some guys don't know when their next paycheck's coming. You know, the NHL and the NBA, those guys really only missed out on two checks because you know they were getting paid March 15th. March 30th and April 1st were the next two checks. That's it. That's that's the only time those guys get paid. They only get paid when they're playing. They get paid six months out of the year, and granted it is handsomely, but if you're on a lower salary, you don't have the expendable income because your car insurance is more expensive. Your life insurance is more expensive. Your home insurance is more expensive. Everything you do is more expensive. Your training, your food. And these guys ain't sitting there going to, to, to Walmart and picking up bags of cheese doodles. No, they're ordering from like eat clean bro. And you know, places like that where, I don't know if you've ever looked at that stuff, man. It's funny how it's so funny how eating healthy in this country costs so much more than eating shitty. Cheese duels are always on sale. 
Fucking broccoli is not. And that's why so many people eat fucking cheese doodles. Me included. Love me some fucking cheese doodles. We'll have to have some right about now. Um, Scotty would only get here so I can fill my gullet. But their lives are different than ours. They don't live in $500 a month apartments. They all have mortgages. Some guys have two mortgages. I'm not sitting out of school here. We've told this story before on the show. You know, guy buys a house where he's from. Guy buys a house where he's playing. Especially if he's got a family. Next thing you know, guy gets traded. Next thing you know, he's paying rent in a place. So now you've got a, two mortgages and a rent payment, and you're going, fuck, where'd all my money go? And it's not because they're not living about they're living above their means. It's because this is what goes along with what they do. And that's the sad part of the whole thing. They are creatures of habit who know where they're going to be. Like right now, you look at the NFL schedule just got released on Thursday. There are players that know where they're going to be every week from the end of July to hopefully the beginning of February. They know where they're going to be on Sundays. They know they're going to be on Saturdays. They know they're going to be on Fridays. You look at, you know, broadcasters for teams and, you know, especially with baseball and and all the other sports where – they sit there and they know, okay, on February 22nd, I'm going to be in X. I pretty much know what time I'm going to be at X, Y, and Z. And if it's a game day, well, I'm going to be in the whatever arena we're playing at at a certain time. It's just their lives. It's absolutely their lives. They absolutely know where they're going to be. All right now, they don't know where they're going to be. And for some guys, that's tough. <laughs> As we learned with Errol Thomas. <laughs> He's supposed to be at OTAs. He wasn't. He was in a Airbnb with his brother and a couple side pieces. And main piece found out, the main dish found out what he was doing and decided to show up with a gun. Scared the shit out of him. Scared the shit out of them too. Let's do. Because I'm sure those chicks weren't going and checking Wikipedia to find out if he's married. But, hell, that's where you are. It's funny. I was joking around. I feel bad for the married guys because they're not used to being home this much. They're not used to being home at this time of the year in some sports. Those guys are learning pretty much how their wives live for those six months. Yeah, I bet you a lot of guys hate it. I bet you a lot of guys love it. And we've seen guys in professional sports um, so he, he Fuck, I lost my choo-choo train of thought. Um, 
these guys oh you've seen a lot of guys retire early whether it's to start families or they just say fuck it I made my money I have generational wealth now I don't have to do this but what you're going to find out is is that maybe guys want to be home more maybe they've learned through this Hey, I've got the generational wealth. I don't need to do this until I'm 35. You heard Danny say, I just wish I could have ended it on my own terms. And a lot of guys would love that. If he could end it on his own terms, I know for a fact that he would not be, I don't want to say bitter. I, I just think he knows he got a raw deal and he thinks he got he thinks he got one and he knows he got one. But do you think Messier wanted to step away after the lockout? No, he just said, fuck it, I was home. <laughs> I'm a year older. I didn't play last year. It's going to take a long time to get this body going again. I'm good. You look at that year-long lockout in the NHL, who did we lose as fans? We lost Messier. We lost Scott Stevens. We lost a lot of players. We lost big game players. And you needed the next generation to fill that gap. The Crosbys, the Ovechkins. They did it. The Flurries. Those guys did it. They were able to do it and they were able to save the game. They pushed the game going forward. You know, you look at Boston. They they came out of that and they trained Joe Thornton. Who who in their right mind would have ever saw that coming? But they did. The trade deadlines feel like they were so long ago. You know, in the free for all, we've talked countless times about Kobe's death feels like it was so long ago. We've been going through this pandemic now for what, six, seven weeks, eight weeks, whatever we're up to now. And Kobe died six weeks before that. That feels like a lifetime ago. McGregor came back from came back to the UFC. That was in January. That feels like it was a millennial a millennium ago. And why are we at that point? Because we've been sitting home doing nothing. We've been enjoying our family. We've been playing board games. If you live in a state that has online gambling where you can play casino slots. Hell, at least you got an escape. Yeah, bored. Throw twenty bucks in there. Let's see how it goes. And good luck to you, because there's a lot of money to be made there. Casinos need it. Every one of those online casinos is owned by a real world, glitz and glamour, ton of chandeliers casino. They need the money. But they're going to pay because they have to because that's how the whole gambling thing goes. They're going to take some. If you just see the the bonuses that these places are throwing out. Hell, new sports was on tonight. Everybody was giving FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, whoever else, Unibet, Triple Eight Bet, whatever, whatever. They were giving out free money to bet tonight on UFC. 
because they figure if you're bet if you just need a release to bet, here it is, and they're hoping you don't know anything. And if you do, yeah, good good for you. Make some money. Bet ten dollars tonight on this fight, and we'll give you playback bonuses for a hundred. Was one of the ones I saw from a prominent national online sports book that has an app on your phone that lets you duel as a fan. The main event of UFC 249 is paying 10 to 1 tonight, whether either side, either side you bet on, they're paying 10 to 1. Why? Because they need money too. They need people to lose bets as much as they need people to win bets. And we're looking at a world that we don't know what normal is going to be. Our definition of post 9-11 world normal is now gone. Thanks to the coronavirus. We don't know. We don't know how sports is going to come back. We don't know how anything is going to come back. If it comes back and it's good, People will watch. People are going to watch. People are watching UFC. They've never watched UFC tonight. Don't believe me? Put in hashtag UFC 249 on Twitter. Again, just put that on there. Put it on. Just do that. Look at what's trending on Twitter right now. People that don't watch UFC are watching UFC tonight. And even though they lost a fighter yesterday, the show must go on. Because there's money involved. Oh, why was WrestleMania a two-night event? WrestleMania should be a two-night event. And if you listen to After the Bell with Corey Graves and Triple H a couple weeks ago, Triple H said it. WrestleMania should be a two-night event. It's too damn long for fans. If you make WrestleMania a two-night event, one, when you play a stadium, that's 160,000 people. 150,000 people going to your event. And a lot of people are going to buy two-night event tickets. The building that's in, that's great. Because that's two days of parking. That's two days of concessions. Third hour coming up. Still waiting for your phone calls. We're looking to take your phone calls. Whatever we want to do. Uh, we'll be back right after this. <laughs> Yeah. 
Hi, this is Kenny Chesney for RAV. There are a lot of things we have no control of in life, but that doesn't include drunk driving. Be smart. If you drink, don't drive. Think ahead and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the George Brew Show here on Black Talk Radio, 563-999-3488 is the number to call. Don't forget, follow us on the Twitter machine at WBIS Radio on the Twitter. Yeah, on the Twitter at WBIS Radio on Facebook, look up What's Brewing. And on Instagram, What's Brewing Show. Same context was there for when we do a show. Um, full schedule. But, hey, we, we do what we can when we can. And right now, giving people a little bit of normalcy uh, is what we're striving to do. Um, we should have been doing this a lot sooner and a lot earlier. But who the hell knew? <laughs> who knew we'd be stuck here this long, so. We're just trying to give some normalcy. We were looking at the NFL schedules the other night and last night and started looking at what games are going to be on prime time and why. You know, My favorite thing, and I wish broadcasters would be held – accountable with the way too early win-loss records. One, you don't know who's getting cut between now and and the start of the season. Two, you don't know who's going to get hurt. I mean, you look at the 20... The 2017, I guess it was now, when Julian Edelman blows his knee out in the preseason well what guys are gonna get hurt in the preseason you you don't know and and it happens and it happens every year and it always makes for making that a little overboard to sit there and throw out a win-loss record now i mean it's kind of it's kind of tough don't you don't, don't you think you know, you're, you're sitting there and, and you're talking about, will this be, what? How can you say a team's going to have 12 wins now? Especially based off of last year. Last last offseason, all I heard was, Cleveland Browns going to win the Super Bowl. They got Odell Beckham. They had a moron for a coach. Dallas Cowboys are going to be this. They were 8-8 eight eight last year. What have they done to get better? They drafted CD, They drafted another wide receiver. They're turning into the Minnesota Vikings of the early 2000s. To say anybody's going to be good for the next, God only knows how many months, for the next year, it's impossible. It really is. It is honestly impossible. Because one, like I said, you don't know who gets 
cut. You don't know who gets hurt. Do we think the San Francisco 49ers were going to the Super Bowl last year? No. We always think it's the Saints. And they always, always, always disappoint or get a game stolen from them. But every time we say the Saints get a game stolen from them, it's because they didn't put a team away when they should have. Give that away. When when teams give away games, that's a systematic thing. Does that make Breeze and Payton and, and Sean Payton not as good as – no, they're great. They're great in the regular season. They put up a ton of yards. They put up a ton of points. Mike Thomas is one of the best wide receivers in football. But they have a fatal flaw when it comes to the postseason. When you look at Tampa Bay, we're looking at the track record of Tom Brady. We're looking at the the track record on Rob Gronkowski. We're looking at the track record of Bruce Arians, who is a hell of a coach. We're looking at a team last year that was – in the position, in the fight for the playoffs, and just had a quarterback who threw 30 interceptions. When you give away the ball 30 times as a quarterback, and that, and that's not even how many fumbles he had, because at that point, who cares? It's almost an average of two interceptions a game. And you look at the game where Danny Dimes and the Giants came back and beat them late. Um, hello? James Winston threw a big pick in that game. And I remember watching it, and saying he's going to give you one. He's got to give you one. That's what he does. That's what he does best. He gives the game away. And when you fully think about them, their defense is good enough. Their offense should be plenty good enough. But does it give anything that Brady hasn't worked with these receivers before? We all know Tom Brady doesn't like working with new receivers. We know this. I don't know why this is like a question for anybody. It's a known fact. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like putting the work in with them. He likes his guys. He'll put in the work with his guys. But you guys know. He wants people to understand where he wants them to be. So, could that team go like fourteen and two? Yeah, they could. Could they go ten and six? Yeah, they could. Could we have seen the beginning of the end of Tom Brady last year? Yeah, we could have. I don't think so. He had no offensive talent around him. You look at that Patriot team last year. Once you took Gronk out of the thing, out of the whole mix, and you didn't have a, a tight end worth the shit. Teams were just looking at White, looking at Edelman, and going, "All right, we stopped them. We stopped them." Last year's Patriot team was so eerily reminiscent of 2009. 
And if you remember their football life with Bill Belichick, well, if they take West over the middle away and they take Randy Deep away, we have nothing. Well, they didn't have to worry about taking Wes away. Wes got hurt in the last game of the season towards ACL, which gave them an absolute beating against the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card. So that was that. And then the next year started the run of buys and division championships and and everything and, and, and damn near going to the AFC champ it was you know, played the Jets in the first in the divisional round and lost that game. The next year they go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Giants. And in two thousand eleven. So two years later, you you looked at a team that had a dominant eight, nine year run, including the ten years prior where the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels did a hell of a job of putting the team together. Kept it close. Kept it tight. Took teams that weren't very good, won Super Bowls with them. Took teams that were very good, lost Super Bowls. Took a team that was super good, didn't even get there. And lost to the Jets, a team they beat 45-3 to like two weeks before, three weeks before. New England fans that year going, this is it. This is the year we go back. Oh, we got to go to Dallas. We got to go to Jerry's world for the Super Bowl. That's going to be great. Let's go to Dallas. And you had years in there where the wide receivers weren't very good. Wide receivers got hurt. And then you had a murderer, a tight end that you drafted. That hurt. But they were able to win without Gronk. That's the thing that people forget. The Falcon Super Bowl, no Gronk. No Gronk in that game. And they were dominant. They went in the last year with no Gronk. Edelman was going to be fine. But had a four-game. That was the year before the four-game suspension. But Edelman gets hurt in like week two. And he was never right again because he had to play every week. He proved his mettle. He proved his guts. He proved his balls by, by playing every week. He's going to teed off on that game in week two against the jets. He got macho man, Randy Savage elbowed into the ribs. He played every game. Didn't bitch and moan. They lost Malcolm Mitchell and they, and they thought he was going to be fine. He'd be back. He didn't come back. They lose David Andrews, the starting center, a week before during the week of the first game of the season. So you look at that whole entire thing in New England last year. That was stuff that didn't happen to them in the past. Gronk retires the end of March, three weeks into free agency. You had money that was allocated for him that could have went to a Jared Cook that didn't. It could have. It didn't. And in the end, 
That was their ultimate downfall. Their defense was great. Their first eight weeks of their defense, they were setting new records. They played shit in the first eight weeks. They played absolute dog shit. That Bills game in, like, I think it was week three, should have been the wake-up call. The Patriot fans to pump the brakes, and they didn't. They won that game after Jared Allen got hurt. The Giant game, the Thursday night, should have been the game to pump the brakes. It didn't because Patriot fans were saying, that was a short week, shitty weather. And then when you look back at the totality of it, the Giant game was the game where you should have started pumping the brakes. But then you look at it, they come off of that Giant game, they play the Jets, and that's the Ghost game. And they absolutely land base to the Jet team who had just beat the Cowboys. And you look at that and go, you know, hey, the Jets may not be that bad. And then they play you, and they absolutely suck. And then a handful of weeks later, you play the Cowboys, and you destroy them. In a game where Zeke did nothing, in a game where Dak did nothing, in a game where Amari Cooper was covered by Casper, as he was seeing ghosts, and that ghost was Stephon Gilmore, who won Defensive Player of the Year last year and absolutely should have won it. That he, he was phenomenal. And this year they lose Kyle Vanoy. Kyle Vanoy had a good season up until about week 12 last year, and then he fell off when he get, you know started to feel himself. That's why he's not in New England anymore, kids. He's not in New England anymore because he started to feel himself. You can't feel yourself and play for the New England Patriots. It's not going to happen. Belichick's not going to put up with it. Brady started to feel himself. You see where he's playing fucking Tampa next year. I don't want to be here for OTAs. Okay, Tom. That's cool. It took Belichick three years to convince Kraft. Let's get him the fuck out of here. And he finally did. He did. I don't care what Bob Kraft says. Oh, Tommy could have been here if he wanted to be here. Yeah, that's that's spin. Tommy could have been there if you wanted him there. Tommy wanted to be there. Tommy doesn't want to move to Tampa and pay $12,000 a month to live in Derek Jeter's mansion. Tommy wanted to finish his career in Boston. And instead of taking care of the guy, the guy who saved your franchise, the guy who made your franchise a billion-dollar business, the guy who sold more jerseys for the Patriots in the last 20 years to the point where they can't even put them on sale because they've so many of them because nobody thought that Tom Brady would not be wearing nautical blue, white, red, and silver next year. Fanatics has as many Tom Brady jerseys as they have LeBron James jerseys. What are people buying four and five of them to have them for the rest of their life? No, because Tom Brady jerseys are always going to be available. Phil Simms jerseys are still available in New York. Lawrence Taylor jerseys are still available in New York. Derek Jeter jerseys are still available in New York. Mario Lemieux jerseys are still on sale in the Pittsburgh Penguins store. David Ortiz jerseys are still available in Boston. Those guys, those jerseys are always available. You may not have the plethora of them. There may not be like kid sizes made anymore. There may not be toddler jerseys made anymore. 
may just, you know, have men's sizes left, but they're still going to have them. Marty Bredor jerseys are still sold at the Prudential Center. It's probably their highest selling jersey still because everybody else on the team isn't worth a shit. You're listening to the George Bruder Show. On I'm Leanne Rhymes for Rad, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. To some, it's just not country music without hard drinking and fast driving. But real life's not a song. And in less time than it takes to play the latest country hit, someone will be killed or injured in an alcohol-related crash. So next time you're out with someone who's been drinking, don't let them take the wheel. Take the keys instead. That's why friends don't let friends drive drunk. You can lead an Irish man to water. Don't try and put it in his drink. Proper <laughs> number 12, Irish whiskey. Shalom. Welcome back to the George Brew Show on the What's Brewing Sports Radio Network on Black Talk Radio. You know, it's funny. I got wind that somebody was going to call on Thursday night and talk devil's hockey, and I could do that now. Full slate of shows will be will be up this week. We will do a bunch of them. Um, we'll just put it on our social media at WBIS Radio. Um, I'm gonna remember to post stuff on the Facebook and uh, the Instagram, but uh, follow WBIS Radio on on the Twitter for uh, your information. Um, the New Jersey Devils are in a very precarious situation now. If the NHL moves forward with a draft without finishing the regular season, um, they're going to draft in the top five. There's a chance they can they can draft as high as number two, can't draft lower than six. This is a very deep draft. You just have to make the right pick. we've gotten to the point where we need stuff to write about. Right. So we look at, you know, ESPN always does this with football. Oh, let's redraft the first round of the 2015 NFL draft. Let's redraft this. Let's redraft. How about let's not redraft this because you're, it's the fallacy of the preconceived notion. You've seen how a guy has progressed in a system. All these guys are good. They wouldn't have gotten there if they weren't. But as you heard Dan like a tour say before, if you're not used right and you have somebody who doesn't look, teams that pick high in the draft every year have a problem. It's either owner Management, coaching. That's it. Or players on the ice. That's it. That, that, you have four options there. You're not getting rid of all the players, so let's take that out. The New Jersey Devils are on their like 50th coach in franchise history. Nobody lasts there more than two years. The fact that they let John Hines get to like number two on the wins list. Uh, in an organization that had Jacques Lemaire, Larry Robinson, Pat Burns, Herb Brooks, 
Tom McVie, Jim Schoenfeld, Pete DeBoer, Lou Amarillo 15 times as a coach. When you look at what the Devils have done to coaches, it's almost like you haven't really been an NHL coach until you've been fired by the Devils. Devils need to make the right hire this year when it comes to a coach. This is the perfect time to start looking for a head coach. There's a guy who was fired in Vegas who built that team along with George McPhee and has put together other teams named Gerard Gallant. It didn't work ultimately in Vegas. He was fired in January. I've told the story many times here that I was out there in the midst of a, like a nine game homestand for them in the middle of it towards the end of it, actually. And I'm at a practice at the beautiful city national arena. And it was an optional skate. They have five guys on the ice and no head coach. And I should have asked this to Danny and I, I apologize and I will get the answer. And the next time we have a show, I will, reach back and grab it and give you my what his answer was. If he's ever seen an optional without the head coach on the ice. And I'm sure he was in the building. I'm sure he's meeting with other players or other players there. Players just didn't hate that day. In the midst of one, they were giving up two, three, four, two, three goalies. Two goalies. They were giving up two goals every game. And trying to bow their way back. And under Pete DeBoer, that changed. Pete DeBoer, who was fired in San Jose, wasn't his fault. That team was piss poorly put together. Piss poorly put together. And Pete's doing a great job in Vegas. I really wanted to see how this ended with him this year. I honestly would have believed, if you had asked me, if we were in the middle of the playoffs, I would have, at the time the playoffs started, when we would have done what's brewing in hockey, because we would have gotten that show back going, me and Howie would have looked at it, and I would have said, the Stanley Cup final is going to be the Vegas Golden Knights and the Boston Bruins. No doubt in my mind. Absolutely not. Now, if they ever do start the season again, Vegas is in the same position because they lost guys. They lost Pacioretty. They lost Stone right before this. Guess what? Those guys are healthy again. Colorado lost Nate McKinnon. He's healthy again. Where that would have been damning for the Colorado Avalanche to lose Nate McKinnon a month before the playoffs to a six to eight week injury. Well, he's healthy now. Vegas still, to me, was the hottest team going in to the COVID-19 cease. Boston was second. It would have been the Bruins and the Golden Knights playing for the Stanley Cup final. Boston would have won that series. That would have been Boston's win. And it would have hurt. (laughs) I like both teams. I love both teams. And for fans not to understand, you're allowed to like both two teams. It's just you pick 
don't pick against them. Enjoy the series at that point if they ever get to play in each other. Enjoy it. Besides, if you work nights like I do usually, it is phenomenal to have your team playing on the ride home. It is phenomenal to watch a game and then have another game right after that to watch. Especially when one of them is the Vegas Golden Knights. If you're a sports fan and you enjoy going to other buildings, don't go when your team's there because you don't get to experience, you don't have the same experience. I would never suggest to a fan to go see their team on the road in a building for the first time. Go when they're not there. Or go if, like, let's say they play on a Tuesday and the team plays a game on a Sunday. Go enjoy the building on Sunday. If you can afford it. If you can afford it, I'm not saying that everybody can have, has the money to afford it. And I know Vegas tickets aren't cheap. But if you can afford it, if you can go to a Vegas Golden Knights game, enjoy Vegas. There's more to do than gamble. Every celebrity chef that's worth his weight in water has a race in Vegas. Ramsey's out there. Guy Fieri's out there. Robert Irvine's out there. It's damn near who's who of the Food Network. Emerald's out there. Go out there. Enjoy it. See a show. Watch the Bellagio Fountains. Take it a night's game. Look at the energy that that city and those fans have. And it's not all people rolling out of hotels and going to games. It's locals going to those games. See the passion they have for hockey. You know, I joke around and say, I knew they were a hockey town and Gary Bettman showed up and brought out the cup and they booed him. They got their trial in the first year to find out they were a real hockey town. If you got a chance and you can figure you know, figure out how to do it, Uber up to the City National Arena. Go watch them practice. There's 500 people at a practice. Most teams don't even let you into their practices. They welcome it. They tweet when they're practicing. They want people at the City National Arena. You got a good pizza place there, too. Nice little bar. You can sit there. You can have lunch. Watch them practice. Watching a professional team practice. If you have kids that play hockey, is nothing better than watching the pros practice because they do the same drills your kids do, just a lot faster. Go to Boston, see a game in Boston. Go to the TD Garden. Go to Tampa. The arena is right on the water. Go to a game in shorts. Enjoy yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying yourself as a fan. But cross Vegas off your bucket list. 
hell, if you do it right and you got family, it's a couple days, go out to Disneyland. You'll find it's a really cheap flight. Go out to Disneyland for a night, two days, shoot back to Vegas. You'll enjoy yourself. But back to the devil's part of this. <laughs> we'll do that <laughs> right after this on the What's Brewing in Sports radio network. I'm Rachel Ray, and food is not only the way I make my living, it's how I spend time with my family and friends. It's hard to imagine true hunger, but sadly, one in six Americans don't know where their next meal will come from. They're your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. Visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger to find out how you can make a difference. I'm Rachel. Uh, hi, this is Scott Brocious, uh, 98 World Series MVP, and you're listening to What's Brewing. All right, so back to what we were saying about the Devils. They have to make the right choice in coach. Tommy Fitzgerald had a great trade deadline. Everybody and their mother had Kyle Palmeria in New Jersey. Everybody did. He was gone. The Devils were trading him. And he said, why would I go on and get rid of this guy? He does everything right. He's good for the He's good for the, the community, he's good for the room. He's your next captain. Why would you move a guy like that? And that to me shows that maybe finally the ownership group there is getting it. It's taken them a while. They haven't gotten it yet. Maybe they're getting it. Maybe bringing Marty in and making Marty more than a guy who takes uh, clients out on the road. And I sit through dull conversation, boring conversation, and sales pitches, and why isn't it this? Give Kyle Palmieri to see. Hire Gerard Gaunt. Have a good draft here. Thought they made a mistake giving Nico Heischer the deal they gave him because you didn't have to. You could have given him a couple-year prove-it deal. Let Jack Hughes grow into this. Let Blackwood grow into being a starting goaltender in the NHL. And you may find that he's not the guy. But you have to let him – you have to find out if he's not the guy. You have to give him more than 30, 40 games. 2005, Henrik Lundqvist wasn't supposed to play 25 games. He had 30 wins. So you have to give the kids a chance. And I know that doesn't help the Devils. I know they hurt financially. I know they hurt trying to get people on, people in the arena. But if you build it right, if you put the fans in, in into the ability to get to meet the guys. Now, you know, pro athletes today aren't like pro athletes 30 years ago. The personal appearances and all that stuff, they don't want to do because it's, it's, a, it's a bigger livelihood, right? But when you fully look at it, 
you have to endure yourself to the community. You're not the Bruins. You're not the Rangers. You're not the Islanders. You're not the Flyers. You're not Vegas. You're not Chicago. You're not Detroit. You're not Toronto. You're not Montreal. So you have to figure something out. Stop treating yourself like a minor league team because when you treat yourself like a minor league team, everybody else is going to treat you like a minor league team. Star Wars night's cool. You don't need to have it. Star Wars nights is cool. 80s nights are cool. WWE nights are cool. Yeah. When you're a minor league team. Come to Star Wars night because we're going to have Chewbacca here. Not come see the Devils play the Detroit Red Wings. And oh, by the way, it's Star Wars night. That's where your problem is. It's like the New Jersey Nets 10 years ago, 15 years ago, had the best of the NBA collection where you, where they were giving you a reversible jersey of a Nets player and a player from another team. Fucking really. And then you wonder why nobody ever took you seriously. Come to see the Nets play the Lakers. Tonight you can get a Jason Kidd jersey and turn it inside out and have a Kobe Bryant jersey. Woo-hoo! How many of those jerseys were turned into Jason Kidd and not Kobe Bryant? Come see the Nets take on the Cleveland Cavaliers where you'll get a Vince Carter jersey, and on the backside, love LeBron James jersey. Come see the New Jersey Nets take on the Boston Celtics, where you'll get a Nets jersey, a Richard Jefferson, and a Paul Pierce jersey. Yeah, because people are coming. That's promoting the other team. Dopes. It's not like when the Sacramento Kings had Bobby Hurley. And Bobby Hurley was a Jersey City legend who went to Duke, won two national championships, was the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament in 1993, and you pumped up his first game at home because it was against the Nets and not against the Knicks. And you sucked. And you needed people to come to the game. So you did a package. But you didn't give away Bobby Hurley jerseys. Yeah, everybody knew what the package was for. Hey, let's make sure we get that White Castle deal. So we get four free burgers. But we could see Bobby play, but hell, the Nets are fucking morons. Lou Lamorello never did that shit. Lou Lamorello never gave away a fucking free ticket. As he said, why why give them something that they could pay for? They cared the building was half full, but everybody that was in there was paying. Unlike these fucking dopes that give away two free tickets for fucking everything. Hey, it's canned fruit drive time. Let's give away two tickets. How about give away a fucking signed stick, you idiots? People will take the game, the signed stick. You don't have to give a game one. You just get like one of those fucking wood ones and just have them sign it. Plenty of people want that shit. Make the grandpa's free tickets. Not, good, donate 10 pounds of food to the food drive and you'll get... Two free devil's tickets to sit damn near anywhere you fucking feel like. And they're not giving away tickets in the upper deck. They're giving tickets away wherever they can fucking get rid of them because they want people there. And then you wonder why you're a joke. Why you're a Mickey Mouse organization. 
You had the greatest goaltender in the history of the game, statistically. And you would have never known he played for the Devils. They got the worst-looking statue ever made. It's terrible. Made a whole thing. Oh, Marty saluting the fans. Stick up in the air. How about Marty with the Stanley Cup, you fucking dopes? Seriously. Have him. The fucking McFarland toy looks five times better than the fucking statue. How about the cup? How about, how about one the, the cup over his shoulder? How about that trademark stance that he had? No, I have him holding up his fucking stick. <clears throat> On the wrong side of the building. The building that half the pe- that a quarter of the people go through. Let's have Championship Plaza. We'll put up this big ass fucking ugly statue. But goddamn, why not put up Marty Berdor? Who? Oh fuck hell! That's the reason you have Championship Plaza. Because without him. There's no New Jersey Devils. There's no three Stanley Cups. They're the Nashville Predators. They were so close to Nashville that they forced the NHL to give Nashville an expansion team. But no. Let's put the ugliest goddamn statue up that we fucking can. He's got to look at that thing every day and go, fuck, that's ugly. Because I do. I leave my quarry job. I go past it almost every night. And I go, fuck, that's ugly. And you could. The Michael Jordan statue outside the United Center is right outside the box office. Everybody sees it. You go to Philly and you walk around that building. You find, you see it. That Philly Philly statue is right fucking there. Where's the best place we can put this goddamn statue? The Ted Williams statue outside Fenway Park is visible from the bridge. Let's put it on the backside of the stadium. Hell, I got a better idea. Let's put it in the loading dock. Let nobody fucking see it. They run like assholes. They own the freaking building. They own the freaking building. And they can't get it right. Everything's corporate sponsored there. Marty Brodor and I presented by Prudential. Great. Now to honor Marty Brodor is the CEO of Prudential. What the fuck? Really? You're really going to do this? You're really going to have the CEO of Prudential come out here and honor Marty Brodor? I was at Mark Messier night I was at Mike Richter night I sure as shit don't remember The CEO of Chase coming out there on the ice Let's see how much we can half-ass everything And just make it a cash grab for our fans Yep, that's what we'll do Let's have every 20 years We'll have a Night honoring that team Stanley Cup champion Let's do that Just so we can sell some shit Because we have a simple logo We made the jerseys look like Youth roller hockey jerseys 
We can't sell crap. Fanatics laughs at us, and we're owned by the guy who owns Fanatics. Fanatics laughs at us. We don't get half the cool shit that other teams get. But we're owned by the guy that owns them. So let's have a cash grab. Fuck the fans. We don't care about them. <coughs> oh, they want refunds? Let's make them jump through hoops. We'll follow what the Yankees and Mets did. And guess what? The Yankees and Mets are still going to have people showing up to fucking games. People are still going to show up in Yankee Stadium. We're going to have a bobblehead night, and we're going to give out 5,000 bobbleheads because we sure as shit know we're not going to get 10,000 people tonight. Kidding me? They're a joke. Their ownership group is a joke. They beg and plead to get people to come back that have given away season tickets. Beg and plead. Oh, here's four tickets in the black. We'll give them in the black seats. That'll make them come back. No, you idiots. You're just going to make me sit there and say no and wait for next year when you give me free tickets. This is their problem, and they don't get it. They just don't understand that the fans here are smarter than they think. Devils fans are smart. They've lived through the glory years. They lived through the Marty Verdor years. They lived through the bad teams. The going to the Meadowlands and being with 1,500, 2,000 people. And they loved it because it was their team. And when you have people who are not from New Jersey saying, we are Jersey, we are the ones. You are the ones that have turned a once proud franchise into the Mickey Mouse franchise that it was. Back after this. That's what Aaron Rodgers has called his agent and told him right after they drafted Jordan Love. There's no way that didn't happen. Playing fun. Having fun with the switchboard tonight. So if you, at the end of the day with New Jersey, you don't have the newest building anymore in the area. You're actually the oldest building in the area right now. 
if you take in the fact that the Rangers play in a rebuilt Madison Square Garden, the Islanders play in a rebuilt Nassau Coliseum, Giants and Jets are in new stadiums, the Yankees and Mets are in new stadiums, Red Bulls in a new stadium, you're in the oldest stadium in the area. The only stadium older is High Point Solution Stadium on the campus of Rutgers University. You're not even the best team in your building because that's Seton Hall. The Pirates are the better team. You've had to work around their schedule, not the other way around. You think Seton Hall wants to play at 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday night? Nope, they want that noon game. You've allowed that to happen. You've bent over backwards for them. You've done the Saturday day game to get kids into the building, not even realizing that kids that like hockey are playing hockey, and they're playing at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. You can't even figure that out. You don't even realize that's the problem. That the kids in the area that play that you want desperately to come to your games are playing at that time, are traveling back at that time. And they can't even sit in the car and listen to the game because you're not on the radio. Do you expect everybody to stream games on the radio, on their phone, in the car? Not a chance. Not happening. Not happening. You're never featured. You were featured once for your Saturday day game. And that's because Ovechkin was going for 700. Oh, congratulations. You got against you. That feels like it was forever ago, too. That was February 22nd. We were all thinking, how much closer can Ovechkin get to Gretzky? And he had 13 games left. He could be seven goals closer. He may not get that this year. And God only knows what he's going to get next year. It's been fun. We'll do this again next Saturday. We'll be here during the week with another episode of Brew and Coach Talking Sports. Another George Brew show. We will get a What's Brewing talking about balls collaboration podcast during the week Friday night free for all and the Saturday George Bruce show all here on Black Talk Radio on the What's Brewing Sports Radio Network